Syria Ah fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans. We are one day late than our usual drop. Today, it's just the two of us. I'm Tad, and I'm with Marco. How's it going, Marco? Hey, Tad. So you missed pretty my, well, man. You missed my birthday party this weekend, the Tad's uh, Hee Haw Yee Haw, and uh, the, I guess you didn't miss the Roma Spall game. So uh, uh, did you miss me? I did miss you, but I, I got more than enough of you from those pics that uh, Roma Club sent. View with your shirt off. Get it together, dude. Hey, man. I just had to highlight that Xander was the fittest man in the world. Um, and the only way he would, he would let me take a picture of his six-pack was if I took my shirt off and showed my keg. But I do have to say, man, I think my guns are bigger than his. Um, and I guess for all you guys out there might notice that Roma Club might get a little little homoerotic from time to time if we're circulating these shirtless men picks. That's okay. That's okay. Just getting ready uh, for the calendar, man. That's right. That's right. And also, you know, we just got to give a quick shout out to, to Sander. Man's about to have a kid, and he's driving down from Altoona to watch Roma Club games uh, in D.C. I mean... That's pretty legendary right there. Yeah, the other thing I got to say is his wife Jessica is probably going to become an OTFR fan or at least strongly dislike Roma since she's getting ditched on the weekend for him to come down and watch Roma. But no shade, Xander. Great abs. Great fan. But we got the biggest news in the whole world tonight. The Mega Millions draw tonight. $1.6 billion. Marco, did you buy some tickets? I did it, man, because it's last time I did that, I actually somehow managed to stress me out. And when I lost and I when I saw it didn't draw, I got like depressed for like an hour. And uh, I don't know why. I don't know. You, I just you go in there and you go, you know what? This could be my day. And your brain for a couple hours starts thinking about everything that you're going to do with all the money. And uh, then you end up losing, and you're back to reality. And it's it's just uh, I don't know. You're like I, don't... I earned this money, man, and it was taken away I, uh, from me. I'm telling you, man, it's a it's a mind trip for sure. Yeah, I mean, like for and me, it, like it works for me, like perception is reality. That like you know, you only know your own. Let's get existential, man. Let's get deep. Let's let's pass this peace pipe. Um, but uh, uh, you know that hey, since I'm the only person who perceives anything. Is anything real? Am I in a sim? Therefore, maybe that I, you know, I'll win this money. That like this, this was all engineered towards me to get to this point. This is destiny. This is fate. And so you could just you could just salivate and see yourself doing it. But one point six billion. Let's say you get the whole kit and caboodle. You didn't have to share it with anybody in an office pool or you know joint Roma Club ticks. What are you doing with one point six billion? I'm building that stadium. <laughs> Forza Roma, <laughs> or, or at least, or at least, I'm sure that uh, uh, the the city of Rome will take two or three hundred million and flush it down the to- down their toilet or into their pockets um, into the cloaca maxima uh, before they before they allow you to buy that stadium for 500, 500 million. 
Lottery winner Marco Charla, who won $1.6 billion, would like to be an investor on the stadium. I think we're going to see several hundred million dollars lost on that bad boy. That's okay. That's, that's free money. You already said it, man. What about you? What would you do? Well, I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about buying, buying Roma um, so we can get some real American ownership in there. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, then building the stadium so I could, you know, like basically sit on a throne and be paraded around. You know, at halftime while DeRossi and Toti feed me grapes. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think probably the answer to what would I do with 1.6 billion is like whatever my wife wants to do with it. She'd, she'd find a way to spend it. Uh, I think <laughs> we, we, everything would be immaculately designed, but it's just, it would, it would basically be Pepper the podcasting pug um, lives the most distinguished pug life uh, that, that's possible. And uh, uh, I don't know, diamond uh, chandeliers and stuff, whatever Leslie wants. Sounds good, man. Makes me uh, makes me happy to be shooting a podcast in the corner of my room, uh, hunching over my laptop and a snowball mic. Yeah, I guess you know there there would be extravagant things. Maybe I could uh, you know just pull out like a million bucks out of the year where you know Roma Club DC uh, uh, has you know goes to every derby, goes to every. Uh, 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 Juve Roma game and and then we do the whole you know we we do the the, the five star tour of the city uh, on my private jet. Well, so good luck to all you uh, uh, mega millions wishers. Uh, remember that uh, if you do end up with one point six billion dollars, um, this podcast with dozens of viewers uh, and listeners would would love to get a little money injection so we can take it to the big leagues. Um, but for now, and if none of you win. You know where to find us all over social media. We're basically like on every single hosting platform for any podcast in the world. Um, We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, When you find us, you know, Apple Podcasts, please, uh, please rate and review us five stars because that's what a good Curve American does. Uh, But here we go, Marco, just you and me ready to run into week nine with the rundown. Be sure to stick around after this week's episode for the podcast Benedict Arnold interview with the one of the world's 12 OTR fans and Gianluca DiMarzio contributor Stephen Moore. I had a chance to sit down with Stephen Moore earlier this week on International's Break and basically talk about the subject that I care the least about. But for the other 11 OTFR fans in the world, uh, you got a great interview from a knowledgeable kid who is actually passionate about that team. Some late magic in one of the world's great derbies. Curve America versus Serie sit down, or the Derby della Manina. Genoa are the Serie Batman and show the world that the Superman of Juventus does in fact bleed, but the old lady are not ready for death and fight off the Red Devils today in the Champions League. Napoli see the Juve result and get warmed up for a Khabib-style beatdown of Udinese. Roma, a.k.a. Humpty Dumpty, fall off the Great Wall of Spall, but all of EDF's men were able to put them back together again and won against the election meddlers. And Atalanta come back to their winning ways by giving the world's biggest loser, Giampiero Ventura, Rogaine, then waxing all that hair right off his head. Marco, you ready to jump into this? Do it. We start off with the first game of the week. We got the Derby della Maronina. We got Inter versus Milan. Our first game of the week is the biggest game of the week and one of the biggest games you'll find 
in the entire world. We have the Derby della Madonina. We have Inter versus AC Milan. This game finished 1-0 in favor of Inter. Marco, what do you got? This was a wild atmosphere coming into this game. There always is uh, a massive buildup in the match, in the derby that is supposed to be, according to Ibrahimovic, the biggest derby in the world. And whatever Ibra says is gold. Let's not forget that. The only thing bigger um, than, uh, than, uh, than Ibra is the Tifosi in this one. I agree, man. All over social media that Tifosi was wild. Absolutely. And again, the, the biggest storylines coming in were Icardi versus Iguain. Both looking uh, to add to their mediocre tallies thus far this season. And also Gattuso on the hot seat. Spalletti, not so bad, but he's, he is looking to uh, not gain another wrinkle uh, in this one. The game was a deadlock. Uh, in, fe- in fact, a bit of a snoozer. Um, perfect for a Sunday afternoon if you're feeling a little hungover, uh, like probably you were after this weekend, Tad. Um, but, you know, some chances for both teams. It really felt like the score was going to stay 0-0 for the second time in a row until Mauro Icardi, the man, super clutch man, um, the LeBron James. No, I'm just kidding. But he's he's been all about the Champions League this year, and he just gets it done. He's got to be like a like a Kawhi Leonard at least, though, man. He's got to be like a James Harden. Uh, uh, actually, because of his clutchness, uh, yeah, he's got to be like a, a, like a, like the Kevin Durant up in this piece. Uh, uh, you know, but I mean, in these derbies, shouldn't he just like ride into the stadium with his shirt off on a on a steed, you know, waving a sword in the air? Because this guy so clutch. You know, last year, his uh, last November, when he had his his hat trick in, in this one, and this one, you know, he gets everyone so hyped. I mean, the, the one announcer who, who uh, uh, shouts the goals' names at the beginning, you see that guy just goes absolutely nuts, look like Fred Durst at a Limp Biscuit concert, you know, screaming out Icardi's name, look like what I wish I was every time uh, uh, Roma scored at, at the, in the Roma Club games. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy's just just been an absolute beast, beast right when they need him. Um, but the, you know, like you said, this game was a bit of a snoozer, and uh, you know, I, I thought that neither of these coaches were really taking any chances. And you know what happens uh, uh, in a zero-zero derby draw, uh, the Derby della Madonnina, usually, right? At least a fight or two, man, or something to get the the fans going. Yeah, so I was hoping to see some sort of like Chris Paul versus Rajon Rondo fight in this one, uh, you know, or a Catuso versus Spalletti fight. That would actually be awesome, man. Like the the Rhino escapes from the zoo, and how are you going to put him down? Who's the only man that could possibly do it? Zorro, but maybe the Rhino will gore Zorro. You don't know. Rhino versus uh, uh, Zorro. I think this is the fight that I need to see. Yeah, that sounds like something for sure. Um, you know, the last thing about this, man, Gigi Donnarumma, like, we're talking about Icardi coming up big at the end. What was he doing on that cross coming in? And I know he's a young goalie still, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like people keep talking about him being the future. I see a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, for a goalie who's supposed to be carrying the baton from uh, Buffon, you know, just you got to come up big in big moments. So maybe, maybe in the coming years, but... Uh, so far, Donnarumma has been a little bit shaky in these big moments. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a good end of the season last year. But, you know, if you have Romagnoli and Banucci up in front of you and you can be organized a bit, 
Um, you know, there's a lot of goalies that I think you could do that. So I, I think I'm ready to put the overrated stamp on Gigi Donnarumma. I think at this point you could throw his brother out there. Uh, uh, what, what's his brother's name? Dave? Dave Donnarumma? John David? Uh, uh, John Davide? Uh, uh, Donnarumma? It, it, it doesn't matter. Not even their parents care. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's, Gigi has shown some pretty poor poise. And, uh, you know, it's kind of showed some immaturity on and off the field in terms of how he's going to deal with his childhood favorite club. You know, I, I think that there might be other young goalies uh, in Italy that are passing him by. And uh, I think, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, maybe that in the future we'll see a ESPN 30 for 30, like an RG3 style documentary on Gigi Donnarumma. Yeah, well, I that's that's maybe taking a step too far, but I like where your head's at uh, last <laughs> Last thing here, Inter coming into a huge match tomorrow against Barcelona. And, uh, you know, I, I have a good feeling about it. Messi didn't – I think he got injured in the last uh, game after scoring a monster goal. And uh, Inter right now flying extremely high. Um, they haven't lost in like six games. And so they're going to go into the, to the new camp and uh, – and get all three points. That's my hot take right there. Hot take it up, man. Let's let's take this. Let's turn back the clock to uh, uh, when we see Inter uh, routinely being able to uh, compete or beat uh, Barcelona. Because I'd, I'd really like to see more, you know, American study abroad bandwagon Inter shirts more than I'd rather. I'd like seeing them come back with a with a Real or a Barca jersey. So I'm with you on this. I'm going to double down the hot take. Um, and uh, you know what? I'm going to bet my lotto numbers on it. You heard it here. There you go. Super hot take. All right. Next up, we got the Golden State Juventus versus not so OTF Genoa these days. This one finishes in the surprise of the weekend, a 1-1 draw. And, you know, I say the word, I say that the score is 1-1 and Genoa scored a goal. I don't know, Marco, who do you think scored that goal for Genoa? Uh, I'm going to guess Piatic. Yeah, I think that the smart money would be on that because since he's done it, you know, 100 percent of the time, and I think maybe uh, uh, you know, he made his deal with the devil on this one that uh, uh, he, he won't take the goal in this one. He just wants to win that 1.6 billion and pull a, a Paolo Osvaldo and basically go back to Poland and I don't know, be a be a polka star. How was that play right there? That little fake. I think it was Piatek, as if I wasn't the one writing in here. No Piatek, no problem. Yeah, I mean, we said we get this Bessa guy who no one cares about, and I'm sure no one really wants to talk about. But you know, Bessa gets to go back to wherever he's from and be lauded forever. Uh, you know, basically open up as many dry cleaners um, and laundromats and and car washes. I guess he's really into cleanliness and in this hyperbole. Um, because he can say and tell his grandkids that he scored against the mighty Juventus. But it's one-to-one, and Juventus bleeds for the first time in the Serie A, but they get to uh, have a little bit more excitement because the guy who scores for Juventus is Ronaldo. He gets his fifth of the season, getting warmed up, getting warmed up like the Ferrari that he is, and gets his 400th across Europe. And, you know, might as well basically be the 400th record that he's ever hold. Um, You know, the reason why they started measuring things in soccer is because back in the day, a man went up to the top of a hill, 
looked into the skies and the tablets came down to him and said that these records are meant to be broken by Cristiano Ronaldo. What do you think of, uh, of his season so far and where he's at right now? Like you said, just getting warmed up. Uh, he had some good plays in the game against Man U today. In fact, was involved in the goal uh, that led to Dybala scoring. Ronaldo, man, I've been saying it for three years now. You never bet against Ronaldo. A lot of haters, a lot of haters that you'll 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 get for this man's play because of his selfishness, because of his uh, you know his vanity. But at the same time, you got to tip your hat off to this guy. He is one of the best of all time, and I will say that again: best of all time. And he just it's it's all about the stats, man. Check it out. You know, right now I think Yuba is walking around with the aura of a champion uh, and probably the favorites of UCL, and he was the one that brought them to that next level. So again, say what you will about Ronaldo. He's maybe he's a bit of a rat. Uh, maybe you know whatever you want to say about him. He's a pretty boy. Uh, end of the day, he gets the job done on the field. Yeah, you could talk. You can talk that ish about Ronaldo all you want, but I think you know he he does he does the speaking on the field. I think that one of my favorite memes out there ever is there's a picture of Messi with a goat, and it says one of the rare photos you'll ever see with Messi and Ronaldo. Um, you know, I I don't have too much shade on on Juventus for uh, uh, dropping a point in this game. Uh, the one strange thing to me though is that they dropped it at home. Um, you would think that you know. Yurchich, Ivan Yurich's men would come in here, and you know they they might get they might get spanked at home. That the the fortress of Genoa might be a place where you would see Juventus drop a point on this one. But it's proving to the world they are in fact fallible. But it doesn't really do anything to dissuade my thought that these guys are going to run the table, or I mean, not win every single game, but you know the, the, the Serie A's barring like a, a brash of injuries, and you know they have to win it with their second eleven. These guys are going to take it to them. But today, you know, they, they rebound the way Juventus does always. And they play a, a Man United team that, you know, I don't know. I don't understand what we need to think of Man United. You know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend. Like you hate him one. Like the global press hates him one week and they loves him the next. You know, highly, you know Mourinho's going to get fired. Then they win a couple of games. Oh, Pope Pogba, he wants out. No, he wants to stay. I still think it's a, it's a huge win for Juventus in the Champions League to, to take it 1-0 uh, to Man U on this one. What do you think? Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, and, you know, Man U was looking for that big win in the Champions League to really put their stamp on the competition. And they go away to Old Trafford and get the job done. So, you know, like I said, Juventus and Ronaldo, they're riding high. And uh, they're going to be riding high the rest of the season because I think they are going all the way it's crazy it's like it's like a changing oh, i mean not that juventus always hasn't been a powerhouse but like you know maybe uh uh in the ferguson era uh towards the end there you'd expect a champions league showdown between juventus and man united that you know man united would would, would clearly at home win this game or you know get the result and that now you got juventus coming in there riding high and you know they get this result and you gotta think man it's it's, it's just all Ronaldo. next up Marco, we have another one of your games. We have uh, Udinese runs into a buzzsaw against Napoli. Napoli win this one 3-0. Yeah, and uh, the Ant Army are now within five points of the picnic basket. 
Lou Brown winning streak. Is that is that who it was? I mean, they this is the third in a row here. And uh, they came they're coming into this PSG game, Champions League match against their old friend Cavani, and they can really put themselves in pole position uh, with a win there because they have four points and PSG and Liverpool both have three. So this is a crucial match. But back to the Udinese game. Uh, debut goal from Fabio Ruiz, and this guy scores an absolute banger. Top right corner. I'm pretty sure he's left-footed too, and it just uh, it opens the floodgates. Three nothing at the end of this game. Udinese, the stadium was bumping, uh, but at the same time they didn't stand a chance uh, against the Ant Army, who seemingly is firing on all cylinders right now. And uh, I think Mister Ancelotti's finally. Uh, putting his stamp on the team. I saw a couple interviews with him talking about, uh, you know, that this team is young, that they've been playing well for years, and that uh, I typically don't have one style of play. I like to uh, look at my opponent and and adjust accordingly. He said, but the the cool thing about this team is he typically ha- picks up teams that are are supposed to win right away. He has a project on his hands. Uh, the good thing for him is I think this project's well on its way. It's been on its way for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, they get a little, they're getting a little healthier than they were before. They had some losses in Georgina. But, I mean, if anything we all know is that Ancelotti can coach. 3-0 waxing right here. Uh, it's funny to me, you look at the two stars on this team, Milik and Zelensky, and right now you might say they're the second and third best Polish players in the Serie A right now. Verdi uh, was supposed to be hurt, not playing this one. Um, you know, he gets he gets uh, some minutes and gets subbed off. But uh, uh, you know, I, I I gotta agree with you, man. I mean, it doesn't hurt for uh, kind of the perception of Napoli, and we you know we've been talking about it for weeks. And I I just said it. I think that Juventus is is still going to win the league. But you know, after uh, a loss head to head with Juve, you know, the first time Juve slips up, you know, Napoli is still right there. And uh, the fact that it seems like they're, they're going to go after it in Champions League, I think that, you know, ditch the old days of Saudi. we got a new squad with a, an excellent coach that expects to win and is going to go out there and expect to win in, in every competition uh, if, as long as they can dodge uh, being stepped on by the opposition players as they, as they skim the top of the blades of, the, blades of grass, uh, uh, run in circles around teams like Udinese scoring 3-0. Man, I cannot wait for this PSG game tomorrow. I uh, I personally really enjoy any time that PSG loses. I think that they've made the, the French League kind of a mockery. Um, they're just expected to win every week. And I hate that they have guys like Marco Verratti still playing in France when he should come back to where he rightfully uh, should be at Roma um, and not at Juventus or Inter or AC Milan because they've had enough of the great Italian players. But, yeah, I mean, PSG... You know, let's 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 get this the, the dirty underbelly of Napoli to come rise up out of here, out of the out of the the, the trash strike piles, slam a Napoleon pizza. You know, uh, end their binge watching of Gamora and just take it to PSG. I'm, I'm, tomorrow, I think that you know we're we're all rooting for Napoli. All right, next up we have one of the more disappointing experiences. The uh, 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 the ruiner of birthday weekends, we have Roma versus Spall. Uh, this one ends 2-0 in Spall's favor. Actually, Spall uh, at Stadio Olimpico goes down to 10 men and uh, puts me in a drunken stupor before noon. But the, 
Great Wallace Ball gets it done. And, you know, I got to say in this one, you know, they they really deserved it. And you know, going into this week, I mean, Roman was riding so high and hot into the international break. And I was just like, man, don't don't have Roma playing well and then have them being thrown out in the international break and, and, and have that media that stench of mediocrity go all over them, uh, which is what happens, you know. Uh, and then it's also a trap game because they're coming off the international break and they have the Champions League this week. It's just it would be Roma to have an oversight on this one, and that's exactly what they do. And so when Roma, who has, wins their previous three games and goes into a Champions League game, loses to a team they should beat, what happens in Roma world? The sky is falling. Yeah, and uh, I, I put out a tweet, I'm sorry, uh, an Instagram post, just saying, you know, we stand with EDF because I, I cannot even believe I'm hearing all these rumors of, uh, you know, EDF, he should go out, he's not doing good enough. Man, do we not, do we already forget the fact that Roma went to the semifinals of the Champions League last year? Like, let's be real. They're they're at the top of their group right now in Champions League, and I know this was before they won today. Uh, But, you know, overall, I'd say Roma's in pretty good shape. If anything, the management has put EDF in a situation where he just has to coach his way out of it. And I think he's he's able to do that because he's so good with young players. Um, you know, so as soon as uh, there's a loss, the sky's falling. But I honestly, like you, uh, kind of foresaw this happening because the international break knocks the wind out of sails sometimes. And, and Roma's known for doing that anyways. Yeah, I mean, Roma's still... Four points out of the top four, and we've only played nine games. So we got we got a few more to go. And uh, you know, you, you talk about EDF. He gets he gets the haters, you know, uh, dripping all over him uh, at, at this point. But the other one, the other people that just basically were so bipolar with that Roma is Jacko. You know, during the international break, he breaks three hundred goals. You know, he he has fifty five goals for Roma, and then in this game, you know, he just I mean, he, he just didn't bring his A game and some of the howlers they's missed. Uh, you know, the, the, he, he missed the worst sitter I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, Chris Ross to this day is not sold on him after winning the Capo Cananieri. I mean, Jacko missing goals is like pouring chum in the water for all the haters. But then, you know, where does he come out? Where Where is the full moon? And he turns into an absolute beast. And that's in Europe. Scores two goals in this one. Uh, you know, the same match day as that huge game he had against Chelsea last year. Roma dominated against uh, the, the election meddlers today. I mean, th- this man just gets it done in Europe. He's, it seems like uh, uh, he, you know, he's able to rise to the occasion on these big games. Absolutely. And, you know, I can't say enough about the guy. He's definitely been one of the best number nines uh, in the game over the last five years, uh, at least, maybe if not longer. And, uh, you know, right now I'm really loving Pellegrini's play. Um, again, I know let's, – let's just put this ball game aside. Uh, we're seeing a revelation in, in Pellegrini's play. Uh, I'm talking about Lorenzo Pellegrini. Uh, and it's like especially today against CSK Moscow, I saw some really beautiful play, uh, a nice assist for the first goal. Uh, he's coming in into his own, another Roman. I just absolutely love it. I can't stop talking about him, and I love using him in FIFA. Uh, so, you know, look, 
after everything being said here, we got to tip our hats to uh, to Spall because they played like the giant killers that we know they can be. Uh, and then the Yankees are, you know, national team players. Uh, maybe they didn't get called up recently, but, you know, they are serious players. And, uh, you know, they showed today, or I'm sorry, this past weekend that, you know, Spall is not uh, one of the, those teams that you just expect to get three points uh, and just walk away unscathed. Yeah, I mean, the Great Wall Spall holds up with only 10 men. And I, I'm just going to throw one more piece of hate out since we're talking about people hating on Jekko and hating on EDF. I got a hate on the Serie A homepage on who scored. They have four Serie A players. They have Ronaldo, Icardi, Immobile, and Pastore. What? What? We can't get a Jekko up in this B. We can't get a De Rossi. We got. We got to have Roma represented by Javier Pastore, who's been very pedestrian this seat so far. So get on it. Who scored? You really not getting the gist of Syria this season. Maybe you need to listen to the podcast a little bit more. All right. Well, this is our last week game of the week that we're going to cover. Uh, we have the geriatric donkeys of Kiev Verona taking on Hatalanta Antalanta. This game finished five one in uh, in favor of the boys of Bergamo. Marco, let us know what's up. I mean, we had to talk about this game because Atalanta finally break their losing streak. Uh, I'm sorry, their winless streak, and I believe it runs very deep. Uh, nine games, I believe it was before this. This match? It's all the games. All the games. <laughs> Just all of them at this all point. They probably don't remember the last time they got a win. Unbelievable. Because, you know, before this, this season started and when it actually started, they uh, they had a couple good results. Um, I do believe they won at uh, one game this season. Yeah, they, 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 they had first no goals. The first game this season, they won 4-0. Right, and then they tied Roma, and then it seemed to all go down uh, to hell since there. They did tie Milan. But anyways, um, a huge win today, uh, or this weekend against Chievo. Uh, Ventura's first game back. Uh, Giampiero, I mean, the percentage of him getting sacked uh, before Inzaghi at Bologna, I think, is just about equal. I cannot believe uh, that Chievo the team with uh, negative points in the table right now uh, are bringing in the most hated man in Italy uh, to try to turn things around. And uh, honestly, I think uh, I think that Atalanta earned the nickname of uh, Clockwork Orange this week uh, for beating up on this old man team uh, and old man Giampiero, who better invest in some earplugs because uh, there's those fans whistling at him every time he goes to an away stadium that – that's going to bust through his ears. Yeah, I think uh, if you go back and listen to the uh, uh, the uh, Beatles classic uh, Give Peace a Chance, uh, one of those verses, kind of the, the, the uh, allegory of it is uh, everyone can unite and end world hunger and, and add world peace uh, as long as we all lock hands and hate on Giampiero Ventura. I think that's the one thing I took away you know, from, from his hiring is that everybody on Twitter – doesn't matter if you support OTFR, Roma, Inter, Milan, Juve, or Napoli, Fiorentina, or Atlanta. I can go through the rest of the Italian teams before I'm done. Uh, they all despise Giampiero Ventura because we had to watch a, uh, it, uh, a, a World Cup without Italy. So I hope that uh, he uh, has to pay double for all his meals in Chievo. 
I hope he falls off Juliet's balcony. And I was really glad to see him get waxed out and be exposed. I just really feel bad for all the uh, the elderly people that play for uh, Kievo that they might actually uh, die while Ventura is still their coach. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty harsh, right there. Somebody, but the somebody same, put him on life support, man. I'll tell you, man. But again, props to Atalanta uh, for getting it done this game. And props um, to the Atalanta podcast. You guys finally get to cover a win. Yeah, yeah, that's big. And Ilicic's game, man. That guy is still a player, man. Uh, Papu Gomez, no goals for him. Uh, and Ilicic seems to turn up every time that Papu doesn't. So another huge, a big game for Atalanta. Hopefully this turns their season around. Kievo, man, I'm thinking they get less than six points this season. I know that sounds crazy, but they're still at negative one point. After nine games, that's wild. Yeah, they're absolute trash. Um, but Atalanta in 15th with nine points, Marco. The, what, what are we going to call this one? The hashtag race for sixth. Um, they are, at this point, fi- only five points away for the hashtag Atalanta race for sixth. The, uh, the, the, the Cinderella's of the Serie You know, maybe they can do it. Maybe just they just need another Papu Gomez hit. There you go. All right, guys, that's the uh, episode for this week. Uh, Stick around to listen to uh, the interview or don't. Uh, I kid, Stephen Moore. uh, Thanks, uh, big thanks to him for being on the podcast this week. Great insights on OTFR this week. So uh, stick around to listen to this. But Marco, and also be sure to find us on social media, write and comment. Marco, love being around you again, man. Miss you this weekend. Absolutely, man. Well, we got a big one against Napoli on Sunday. So uh, for now, hopefully the listeners uh, don't get too sick listening uh, to a uh, OTFR fan for too long. But <laughs> I did get a chance to sneak peek it, and uh, he seems like a nice dude. He's Canadian. Well, until next time, ragazzi, we say arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. We have a special pod episode for you on the International Week break. I'm joined here by Stephen Moore. Um, Stephen Moore is a contributor to Gianluca Di Marzio and anybody that follows Italian transfer, Serie A transfer uh, uh, news and rumors is definitely... Uh, familiar with Di Marzio, and he's the founder of thelaziale.com. Um, you can find him at, uh, at, at the underscore Laziale. And if you can judge by uh, the title of those two things, it's going to be a strange person that uh, Curve America is going to have on this podcast because he is, in fact, a, I will say it once, a Lazio supporter. Um, so I kind of feel a little bit like Jon Stewart. Uh, or, you know, Tucker Carlson having uh, somebody from the opposite side of the political spectrum on the show. But thanks for coming on, Stephen, and we look forward to talking to you about, we're going to have to go back to OTFR. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Well, uh, Stephen is from Canada, and, you know, just like uh, uh, we do when we bring on all North Americans or Curve Americans, uh, supporters of Syria in North America, you know, I just got to ask, you know, being from Canada, how'd you become a, an OTFR fan? An OTFR fan? <laughs> <Love it. laughs> um, uh, so obviously, um, OTFR, I assume all of you guys know, other team from Rome. I am a Lazio fan, and it all started from uh, my nonni. Um, I'm actually Italian, though the last name more 
uh, doesn't suggest it, um, but they're asking actually from a small town called Pesco Solido and Sora, uh, which is actually just an hour away from Rome. Uh, so since a young kid, they've always promoted soccer for me and or I should say calcio, sorry. Um, and it's just obviously grown on me since the years have come past. Um, they are from the region of Lazio. It's where Sora and Rome are. And instead of the capital city that he supported, he supported Lazio from day one. So um, that's how I've uh, started supporting Lazio and I'm still supporting Lazio. So since you're coming over to the dark side to talk to uh, uh, podcasters that are, are Romanisti, um, you know, we during the Derby uh, talk about players that we, you know, current and past that we dislike from uh, from the other team. You know, who's we'll let you get it out there. Who's that Roma player right now that you just can't seem to stand? Can't seem to stand would be Alexander Kolarov uh, scoring that goal in the Derby. Obviously, a 3 1 loss there to Lazio and. That just did not sit well with me after playing with the club for so many years. They, they brought you up, they scouted you, they brought you to the club, and they've got you to move on to better uh, things in Manchester. And then you come back and you celebrate after you score that goal. Obviously, you want to cheer for scoring um, in a match. Everyone does. But against a team that you're with for so long, that just dug into my heart and all that Tiali fans. So right now, he's kind of on the bad list for me. Yeah, it was a little bit strange for us uh, at Roma Club DC. Uh, actually, we went so ham on the uh, on the celebration that we got retweeted by uh, AS Roma English a couple tw- a couple times. That a uh, little bit a little bit mixed emotions uh, having to go that ham for Alexander Kolarov after you know when he played for OTFR, I, I couldn't stand him. Basically, you know, just because he's got that just mean. You know, Eastern European vibe about him that he, you know, he just is so tenacious and and, and so rugged um, that he was a little bit weird uh, 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 cheering for him. But you know, for us, the past few uh, derbies, we haven't performed that well against OTFR, and one in particular is actually uh, the day after my wedding, we went to the derby, which we lost three one to uh, 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 OTFR. Uh, you probably remember that one with Kiatabalda had the brace. And the only goal that was scored by Roma was Daniele De Rossi, and I was actually in the bathroom when it happened. So it was, you know what? I'll 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 take I'll cheer for anybody in a Roma jersey that's going to score against OTFR in that game. Um, but reasonable enough to to not like him. But let's uh, let's jump right into the season since you've been following them closely. You know, OTFR's had a wild season so far. You guys opened up with you know two tough losses to Napoli and Juventus. We just talked about the derby loss, but. You know, kind of outside that, OTFR has pretty much taken out the Serie A trash, and then most recently, before the break, it a big win against Fiorentina. You know, how do you rate their season so far, and you know, against your preseason expectations? Out of ten, I'm gonna have to say personally a six or a six and a half. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, we started the season off against Napoli and Juve, the top two teams from last year, and we expected them to be tough matches, but the performances that they put in in those two matches, I expected it to be a lot better. Um, Napoli, the game against them, a draw I think would have been the more fair result, but uh, they, they lost, uh, and then they lost again to Juventus the week after, and the performances they put were just not good enough. Obviously, they had that stretch of five wins in a row, including the Europa League, but those matches are the ones you expect to win, um, but even those, they weren't that much of a dominant performance that we're used to from last season. It seems that we're having trouble scoring, uh, which is kind of relevant to the Azzurri right now. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff been going on with Shiro Mobile in that case. But that's 
something else. But um, getting back on form against Fiorentina was huge. Obviously, near the end, uh, they were putting a lot of pressure on us, so it was it was kind of hard to maintain that one nothing victory. But we came off with it going into the international break and hope to continue that going forward into the season. Yeah, but the, you, you know, for OTFR, I, I think that what I've taken away from them so far is you do, you know, you lost the first two games of the season. It's tough to kind of gel going against tough teams like Napoli and Juventus. And, uh, you know, a, a derby loss to Roma is, you know, obviously it's great shame. But as you've seen from previous years, it really doesn't matter where you're on the table in that one. I, I would think that maybe some shades of Juventus here that, like, you know, Juventus kind of has a thing that they can lose or split uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know against the big clubs uh, you know the top four and five but then kind of beat up on everybody else. I mean, are you happy to see it, OTFR going in there and just kind of waxing out teams and and performing against teams they definitely should beat? Obviously, yes. You want to see them get those three points and get the victories against those sides. You know they're a lot better than them, so it is big. Um, but but all in all, we want to see something bigger and better from the team. Um, Linkovic Savage and Luis Alberto have been two that have kind of been lackluster so far. Um, we're hoping they pick up, obviously, because Luis Alberto's actually been dropped to Felipe Caicedo, who was one of the antagonists of last season, which has kind of been odd to see. But all in all, just a better performance for the team is what we want to see. Getting those victories against the lower table sides, absolutely. Um, but challenging those top four or five teams... Um, that we've actually lost to, including that derby to Roma. It, it just needs to be a bit better overall. Well, you bring up Luis Alberto and uh, SMS, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, um, and I would say one of the great coups in Europe this year was your guys' ability to keep him. Um, you know, and, and according to even like Claudio Lolito said, there were just obscene offers for him, which I think anybody who watched him play last year would agree. And despite his recent struggles, you know, he might end up you might end up at the end of the season being the best player in Serie A, but you know the ultras recently. There's that banner they're calling him and Luis Alberto fake talents. Uh, you know, do you think this is kind of unfair to these players for the contributions they made last year? And you know, kind of what is your relationship? You know, your thoughts in general about you know OTFR's relationship with their ultras? Uh, unfair is a just word for that. That banner, I, I believe, was completely uncalled for after what they've done last season. Uh, coming out and shining for the team the first few performances of the season obviously we want to see them doing well but putting that up there there's no reason for it uh, they have been so good for us this not this year but mostly last year starting the season they're off to a slow start but I have a feeling they will pick it up uh, you just need to be patient with them just like anyone they are coming off or Milkham Savage at least is coming off the international uh, the world cup that happened in the summer so he was late to training camp obviously uh, Tarea just listed saying that he was the main reason for his struggles were due to his physical condition. But a main thing is as well his his head, his mental ability right now, because after Atari putting that price tag on top of his head over the summer, it's definitely going to take a toll on him. Uh, $150 million plus for a player. Like When you see that personally, he's a young player. He hasn't received that much attention before. So after a breakout season, you're going to expect that to happen and have a negative impact. And same with Luis Alberto. He was kind of a flop at Liverpool. Lato gave him a chance, sat on the bench for the first year, and then came back last season. He was one of the best, if not the best, uh, playmaker in the Serie last year. And this year, he hasn't been producing so much. So um, for fans, it's just a time to be patient with the boys. Um, obviously, it will take some time, and hopefully they can pick that up after this international break. 
Um, but all, all in all, their relationship with the Ultras, it's like any club. They're, they're passionate fans. Uh, everyone has them. But there has been a lot of speculation and controversy with a lot that uh, Lazio's Ultras are of what they've done. In the past, stuff like Anne Frank last season or banning the woman from the Curva this season. So a lot of people have to remember that these are just a few individuals and not everyone. Um, it's kind of hard to base a whole Curva or a whole Ultra forming um, off of just some individuals. So uh, the relationship may be a little bit harsh, but it is they're, they're cheering for what they believe in. They're cheering for their team that they've done for so long. So, yeah. You know, I think I think that uh, uh, you need you could be the spokesperson for uh, uh, all OTFR fans right there. That was probably the most measured response and probably the greatest response I've ever could, I could have imagined to that question. Um, so hey, you know, walk around the the the, the curva the curva Nord and walk around uh, Stadio Olimpico with that olive branch and let's let's re- let's repair this this relationship. Um, you know, not to not to harp on negative things, which you know, actually, if this was my my private life, I would love to. But one of the low points of the season so far was the Frankfurt Europa League debacle. Um, however, you know, OTFR I think has a deep enough team to make some noise in the Europa League this year. Um, what do you say that OTFR's tournament tournament expectations are? You know, they're kind of like all in for Champions League after last year's heartbreak and the last game of the season. Um, or does Nzagi have his team playing for, you know, one goal? Is it like a Napoli last season that they don't care about Europe? Or is Nzagi like, no, we're going to play for, for multiple cups, um, somewhat like last year? Uh, I think their expectations are, are to go in the Europa League, at least the same spot or further than they did last year. Um, it's going to be hard to get out of this group already with that 4-1 loss to Frankfurt, but... That's just one match. They are still in second place with Marseille underperforming. Um, so kind of help Lazio out at the end of it as they do sit in second still with Marseille and Apollon Limassol with one point at the bottom. But there's still many games to come, so anything can happen. Um, in terms of which one they're focusing on, if it's more than one goal or if it's just one, at first I thought it would just be a steady uh, push um, trying to finish in those top four places to get Champions League. But then we saw Nzogi against Frankfurt saying that we wanted to play and have desire for every single match we perform in. And we didn't see him switch up the squad too much. Obviously, he gave uh, Korea and a new arrival and Dusan Basta another chance. And they both got sent off in that game, um, One of the rotation, or two of the rotational players on the squad. So personally, what I believe they should be doing is, is something like Napoli last year. Obviously, I don't think they'll finish in a, in a first or second position with the teams that are in the Serie A currently and how they've improved their teams over the summer. Um, but Lazio could definitely push for a third or fourth. Um, fourth looks more likely position in the league. Um, I, I think they need to give the rotational players um, and newcomers such as Badel and um, Berisha more, more playing time in the Europa League and just switching that up. Um, we always see Inzaghi stick with a 3-5-1-1 formation, so... Uh, maybe even trying a 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 um, could help the squad out in the Europa League, giving those other players a chance. Um, but but all in all, I think they should be, and what they are doing is focusing on the Serie A as much as possible. Who are the three teams that are going to finish ahead of them at fourth? Uh, in fourth spot, I think they're challenging Roma for that fourth spot, but I think Juventus is obviously going to finish first, um, Napoli second, and then... I believe it's going to be Inter third, um, and then Roma and Lazio challenging for that spot. Oh boy! 
Oh boy, and if it comes down to uh, 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 the last few weeks of the season. But I had to test you to see if you're actually going to put rum ahead of him. You, 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 I gave you the test and you passed. Uh, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, you know, let's say right now today is the end of the 2018-19 season, you know, just for imagination's sake. In your mind, what's a successful season? Like show, show me Steve Moore looking back and being like, you know what, Maybe if it's a top four finish or top four finish plus seeing other players develop, what, what do you see as a successful season for OTFR? A successful season right now is definitely a Champions League spot in the Serie A, so either that third or fourth place finish, fourth more likely um, to occur, um, as well as the Europa League, um, a round of 16 or quarterfinals finish. Um, last year, I believe we did deserve the Champions League. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate to have Immobile and Luis Alberto uh, get injured in a crucial time in the league, um, as well as the dilemma with Stefan de Vrij and Inter, how they deposited his contract um, near the end there which kind of caused some controversy as he was the cause of the penalty in the last game. Um, but even in the Europa League, we deserved to go further. That that one mental lapse against Salzburg where we conceded, um, I think it was the three or four goals, uh, we just crushed everyone's dreams with that and we exited the competition. Um, I think those two finishes, for imagination's sake at least, is a successful season um, based on what we've seen so far, as well as the players just performing a little bit better. All in all, like that's kind of the main thing that I believe Lazio should be getting out of this situation so far is that they haven't been performing as well as they need to be. Um, and scoring more goals and defending um, needs to be a big key aspect. Um, looking back on the season saying, hey, we did do a good job in both of these sections. If we finish third or fourth or if we go as far as we can in the Europa League, that's a good deal. So uh, while we're on the topic of Stephen DeVry, you know, level with me. Do you think there needs to be like a Robert? I know you're Canadian, but you think there needs to be like a Robert Mueller investigation into into the Stephen DeVry situation at the end of last season? It was kind of fishy. Um, <laughs> it was kind of odd for a club to deposit a contract. It's the first time I've personally seen that um, halfway through a season, not halfway through a season, but near the end of the season, they're just depositing the contract in and. And kind of making all the ultras and just Lazio fans kind of question if he was to be playing or not, especially after he kind of rejected everything. But it seems a lot was to do with his agency, the SEG um, agency that he was with, because they wanted to take a paycheck out of that um, from Lazio. And they obviously did not want to allow that. So it was kind of at fault of, of Lazio in general, but they stood their ground and you have to stick with them for that. We've gotten Francesco, uh, Francesco, uh, we've gotten Francesco Acerbi now. Um, he's a terrific replacement for um, De Vrij. So we can't complain too much about that, but in terms of the situation, possibly, um, I haven't dove too much into the details or aspects into that, but it was kind of fishy in my opinion to do that, especially as they knew they were going to have to play each other at the end of the season for that last match. Well, he swears up and down that uh, there's nothing to see here, but I, I honestly wouldn't blame any fan of, uh, of their team. If, if they were under similar situations, I would probably be screaming bloody murder if uh, the shoe was on the other foot. Um, but let's, let's go deeper down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Let's, let's see how Alex Jones we can get. Um, I mean, how do you feel about OTFR's relationship with VAR or your thoughts in general on VAR? Because, you know, OTFR has seen the short and the sick several times both last year and this year with VAR. i just kind of like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that was a very, very, very big topic last year. Um, I assume many people have seen the videos and the highlights of all the matches, and we know that on several occasions last year that Lazio were on the end 
of a wrong call in terms of VAR. Uh, it seemed like every time they got they got used for Lazio, it was in a negative consequence back towards them, either going forward or defending. Um, in general, I think if we're going to implement it, it just has to be used consistently and used correctly, um, whatever that may be, whatever they may decide that to be. Um, it does take some drama and controversy out of the match, but in the long run, I think it is going to be very helpful and useful um, for every single league um, and, and national level. Uh, this year, I haven't seen VAR be used that wrong against Lazio, but last year it was a big, big, big deal. Um, I think they could have got a lot more points out of those matches where they were wrongly called. Um, there's there's too many highlights to bring up. I remember Fiorentina, uh, the match for them when Keza dove and Murja got sent off. They did still win that game, but and Caicedo trying to clear a ball in the 18-yard box and the penalty was for the opposition. There's just too many issues that weren't called for Lazio and just put against them, which kind of sucked at the end of it, but you have to move on and just not worry about that too much. And that's what they did until the last part of the season when they unfortunately uh, lost against Inter. But things happen. You know, again, another measured response. I think we heard from everybody in the entire OTFR front office, including their extended family and, you know, acquaintances at the supermarket, uh, their mechanics and everything, considering the amount of times it was piled up last year. Um, it, but it's also, don't you think it's kind of weird that like out of all of, you know, these European leagues that everyone thinks are so progressive that Italy, which is, you know, the Serie A, which is oftentimes accused of being, you know, a little more traditional, even to a, a, a further extent, somewhat backwards, that it's the league that has VAR. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so maybe, yeah, maybe there's just some growing pains. And unfortunately, OTFR, um, you know, uh, definitely got uh, uh, some, some tough calls there. But, you know, if you ask me, you guys got exactly what you deserve in every single instance. Um, well, speaking on the comparison of, of Roma and OTFR, which that's just kind of my constant train of thought, um, you know, a lot has been made in the international press about the Monchi Moneyball, um, so much so that, you know, at some points this year, he's been linked to moves to Man U or Barcelona. Um, I've said on the pod before that if, you know, we're talking about top international sporting directors, we need to include Iglio Tare in, in that, that discussion. Um, you know, tell us your opinion on the Albanian. Uh, what do you think that he's he's done that is good and bad so far? Yeah, so if we're talking about Monkey, obviously uh, Tade has to be included in that list of the greats. Um, he's been brilliant for the club, but he definitely does not get enough credit. Um, but I feel that kind of turned when Milinkovic Savic uh, peaked last year. Um, he's kind of been the hidden weapon weapon for um, Lazio and Claudio Tito for quite some time after playing for the club. Uh, Todd, or Claudio Tito has actually mentioned that he has international knowledge, speaks five languages, and is a very passionate individual. And, and we see this as in the past, uh, he's actually brought in uh, many other players, um, then Immobile, then Sergei Milkovic-Savic, then Luis Alberto, Lucas Lieva, and, and all the current players. He's actually brought Senad Lulic and former manager Vladimir Pekovic to the club, um, as well as the likes of Hernandez, Closa, Bilia, and Keita, and many more. Um, he does take risks with a few players, um, but some are seriously scouted and wanted, um, like uh, Stefan Devry um, or the, sorry, Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Um, but what happens, I feel, is that he takes a risk on a lot of these players that are of low value and um, are in these leagues that they're kind of shining as a young player. Um, some of them work out, some of them don't, but for the most part, we've seen that he's actually been beneficial, very beneficial to the club. 
um, with those aforementioned players like Immobile, with Milinkovic, with Luis Alberto. Um, many of these players, like Immobile and Luis Alberto, were coming off of poor seasons, off of poor careers, and to give them another chance was kind of a risky uh, business, but it turned out to be good um, at the end of it. So um, in terms of what he's done good, literally everything he's done for the club so far, in terms of everything that's been bad, I don't think he's done anything bad for the club. Um, it's mostly been good so far. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I still can't believe that y'all got Immobile for eight million, and we've paid forty million for Patrick Sheik, and I think I think we're paying. You know, I think that's it's covering about twenty million per goal for Sheik at this moment. And I mean, Immobile, I think you guys are paying about a buck twenty-five or a toonie um, for uh, uh, for every Immobile goal at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of Chiro the hero, uh, you know, he recently. Uh, got one of the biggest snubs, I think, um, in history um, or in the Ballon d'Or history where you see um, that he didn't make the, the Ballon d'Or shortlist. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on uh, uh, Churi Mobile's uh, snub with the Ballon d'Or? You obviously know he's not going to win the Ballon d'Or, but 41 goals in 53 matches, I think it deserves <laughs> at least a chance. Um, we see that like Mario Mandzukic, um, we see that Karim Benzema, we're, we're both voted ahead of him. We look at their goal tallies and it's it's how, how are these people ahead of Chiro Immobile. Um, there's probably different reasons for each. Uh, one plays for Real Madrid, one had a good World Cup with um, Croatia, getting to that final as well as playing for Juventus. I, I personally want to say let the stats do the talking and, and allow him to get um, one of those awards or not awards but gets to that level where he's on the basis of the Ronaldo, Messi's Kane, Suarez, Neymar but I think he's just a tad below that um he's not he hasn't been prolific for that long he's been prolific for Lazio at least but um the aforementioned strikers such as um Ronaldo, Messi, Kane they've been doing damage for quite some time now um it was a total snub uh, in my personal opinion but these things happen, and we saw him post a picture the other day of, of oh, on Instagram, actually, um, saying all of his stats from Lazio with just the, the shushing emoji. Um, so I believe he's trying to take a jab at maybe the people who have decided this. We'll, we'll see, but it definitely a snub. Yeah, I mean, if you think, you know, you say that, yeah, he hasn't been as prolific as the other ones. I, you know, maybe it's because of the dry spell he had after he left Torino. Um, that you know, maybe the, that committee kind of sees him as an afterthought, but I don't think there's really any denying the contribution that he's had in Serie A. And if you want to make a comparison to somebody that kind of came out of nowhere to be in the top of this discussion, I mean, Mohamed Salah, uh, God rest his soul. Um, you know, he's he he was a he was a washout before one breakout season with Roma, and then uh, you know when he took it to Liverpool, the next level. So I, I'm with you on this one. I mean, I, I hate the guy's guts. I think he looks like. A, a, a '90s Karate Kid villain or teen movie villain, but uh, he he rips goals all the time, and we we need we need the love in the Serie A, and we need this guy to be taken seriously. But the one thing I will say in his favor, man, how about that man's Instagram account? Instagram account is probably one of the greatest for a footballer. <laughs> uh, Jessica Mobley, his wife, is is kind of takes over, and it, it's got to be one of the best, without a doubt. Um, he's lucky to have her supporting him and, and to be that viral. We usually see the wives of most players kind of be kept off of social media, but she's right on there, um, kind of taking over the Instagram account, posting all these funny videos all the time. So obviously her looks do some helping as well, but 
it's definitely one of the good ones out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people uh, have the have like they use their their social media accounts to like put out this this you know, hey, look how great our lives is, but it's not that great. Immobile looks like his life is pretty awesome. <laughs> he's 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 always just on a beach somewhere. He's always super in love. They always look like they're having the best time. Um, I, 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 you know, outside of the color of shirt he wears, I'm, I'm super jealous of his, of his, at least his Instagram life. Uh, we have kind of one thing I'd like to have you weigh in on, um, the, uh, and on the Curve America podcast, we've, we've been counting down to the Inzaghi bowl, um, which is the brothers Inzaghi, uh, facing each, facing off against each other. Um, kind of like the brothers Harbaugh when they were in the NFL, um, it, we, it's the day after Christmas this year, and the one thing I think we love about this is I can't really tell the difference by looking at them uh, between Simone and Pipo, um, but there have been some quiet rumors that Simone and Zage is on the hot seat, and obviously a lot louder rumors that Pipo's job security is in jeopardy in Bologna. I mean, as, a, as an OTFR fan, how badly do you want to see an Inzaghi bull? It'd be quite cool to see. Uh, personally, two brothers uh, coaching different teams in the same league. Uh, I don't think that happens too much. <laughs> so uh, the, the Inzaghi Bowl is definitely something we would all like to see. Um, the odds of us seeing it are very slim, though. Um, Simone Inzaghi on the hot seat, we have, <laughs> I don't think that is actually a thing. Um, obviously, we lost the Derby, and we had that 4-1 defeat to Antrax, uh Frankfurt. But other than that, you, you can't say he hasn't done a good job with the club last year and this year. Uh, they're currently sitting high in the table, so there's no reason for him to be on that. Um, maybe a few more losses, possibly. Uh, but Pipo Inzaghi is definitely the one in jeopardy. Uh, eight games, just two wins, one draw, and five losses. Um, four goals, ten goals against. It's not looking too good, especially with Torino, Sassuolo, and Atalanta coming up next. I believe personally that if he's unable to win these games or get some valid points out of these next few games that his time at Bologna will be gone. Uh, we only saw them actually score and get those victories recently as well. So it hasn't been the start that people probably wanted. Um, and getting that in Bowl the day after Christmas, we'll see, but it's looking slim. Right now we have in the podcast, I think our percentage chance is 23.4%. What's your percentage chance of the Inzaghi Bowl? Percentage chance of the Inzaghi Bowl. I'm gonna have to go with a 10 to 15 percent chance. Whoa, whoa. Okay, though there's there's a scorching hot take. Uh, but there you have it. 10 to 15 percent for the Inzaghi Bowl from the OTFR supporting side. Um, just one last question for you: Why is OTFR so evil? Just joking. Just joking. Uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, Steve, that's, that's all I have for you, but you've been a great sport, and this has been really insightful um, to, to us behind, to peek behind the curtain and uh, uh, see what wizard is behind for, on the OTFR side. Um, I would like to say I wish you the best of luck on the rest of the season, um, but I'm not going to do that. But I will wish you the best of luck um, with your columns uh, this year and as you uh, continue to grow as a journalist. Um, thanks a lot for, for coming on the, on the podcast. Um, I'd like to remind everybody that you can find him at the underscore Laziale, and there's the swear word again, um, on Twitter uh, or on Gianluca Di Marzio. Thanks so much for your time, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right. That's it, uh, Podcast Paisani and Curve Americans. Again, be sure if you get a chance to go on to 
Apple Podcasts or wherever you find our podcasts and rate us. Rate us five stars, four stars. I would be inclined to think if you're a hater, if I to quote Bonnie Jones. Um, but until next time, we say Arrivederci and ciao.